What the fuck is that, Vinny Beetle? What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Scumbag Vinny. These folks right here have the biggest scam going. And even mm -hmm. the guys I like the intro. From that were new in the game, <laughs> I gave them experiences that they would never have gotten. <laughs> and people did. Scumbag Vinny, bro. And there was like eight comics on the show, and they all sucked. And he got on stage, and he was like, Vinny, did you just stop at a red light and say, hey, you want to open for R.P. Lane tonight? Yeah. Vinny Beetle's a good man, and we'll be back. I used to go to concerts yeah. when I was a teenager, and I would sell fake tickets to events. I made it clear I have no problem that you scammed numerous people. No. It's such an important part of my background. If somebody's trying to get into comedy and somebody rips them off so bad that they Dude, all your enemies comedy, are in the done intro. Them a yeah. favor. Yeah. This movie needed Vinnie Beetle to show up in like a <laughs> stolen Ford Taurus. What up? It's Bam Bar Jared. Go listen to the best podcast in the world, Scum Town. Vinnie Beetle is who? Confident? Oh yeah, confident. We want a fresh piece of shit. You're a bigger scumbag. The Vinny Beetle. Yeah, man. Vinny, it's. I want you to take down the post of now that I found out that this whole thing was a scam, uh -huh. I kind of really like him. Everybody, we are back. What's up, Lane? Episode five. Episode five. First time guest in the house, Ian Ellis. Oh, Ian oh, Ellis. Oh. Ian Ellis, Ellis, hey, what up? What up, Shy Town? Let's get some energy in this motherfucker. I'm tired of these NPR podcasts. Unbelievable! We got this legend in the building. Ian Ellis, LLC, the man himself, is here on scamming with Vinny. Ian, what is up, bro? Vinny, what kind of soundbite can I give you for the intro? Do I gotta dox you and call you the N-word? Like, what? What would be the best way for me to make it in? I think that there'll be something throughout this episode that Lane will find. You just have to be yourself. I just think that there are so many legendary stories and people around me that the intro's going to end up being the whole podcast. I'll just send people an hour-long intro video that they'll just watch, and then it'll be like my press kit or something. <laughs> Big deal. Like, here's an hour of people talking about what a scumbag I am. Like, seriously. There's a good amount of money talking about me in that intro right there, I'll tell you that. Well, dude... Bam and uh, Ari are like money in the bank. Unfortunately, nobody knows who Nick Mullen is. That's true. And and uh, there's also a clip in there from Chapo Trap House, uh, the podcast, which on Patreon, I mean, last time I checked because I'm a, a money-hungry uh, lunatic, they were making like $175,000 a month on Patreon. It's crazy. Yeah, but how many yeah, people man. is that? Is that like 60,000 people? Like realistically, yeah, it was it was something like that. Um, you can go check it; it's all public. You just got to go to their Patreon. Like their numbers are up. I feel like Patreon is one of those things where, like, you almost had to hit it at the beginning. Um, I guess maybe Tim Dillon's like an exception to that rule, but uh, like I've seen seen people. There's a a group called the Collective. They're animators, and they've gone super viral. Like. 10 times and uh i went and i subscribed to their patreon and they're making nine dollars a month but people like, don't these have, know how to promote it well these have 2.3 million views and you have <laughs> six people here and i'm one of them the fuck so when i had a patreon for Scumtown, i actually got it up to like a few hundred dollars a month and i was like growing it myself just organically and then when i gave up on it Everybody unsubscribed except one of my friends has been still, still to this day, has been paying it for like two years. 
It's like five dollars a month. Oh, I'm close money for the next twenty five years. I'm not even putting shit out there. I'm just taking I was it like, out. You know, uh, it's it's like one of those kids that doesn't know how to cancel his subscription, so he's got like HBO coming out every month. He doesn't even have a TV anymore. You know. <laughs> I mean, people are still paying for Red Bar. He's been dead for a year now. He's you know, dead. it's coming up on a year. He ain't dead. Now, what's wrong with him, Ian? He has a poop bag. <laughs> he has an autoimmune disease, which is uh, an icky and awful disease to have. Is that AIDS? Does, wait, does Red Bar have AIDS? You know, I actually had to call a doctor friend. And I was like, what is the difference between AIDS and an autoimmune disease? And he had to explain it to me. What is the difference? AIDS is like your immune system is dying off. Autoimmune disease is your immune system is attacking you and basically makes your body feel like you're going through like the worst chemo all the time. You know, sometimes I just, when I get stoned, I just like to pretend like I'm a robot and nothing bad is going to ever happen to me health wise. And then I just get up and I realize how fat I am. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is all coming to an end very soon. <laughs> like there's a time bomb going on inside my body. I feel like if you're lucky, it'll just all collapse at once. It, it's that like you know, back surgery today, a knee surgery tomorrow, and it just whittles you down. That's that part right. I don't like. So you are 39 years old, Ian? Yeah, bitch. Dirty 30. Flirty 30. Block, block, block. Ian, so just a lot of the audience that's listening to this show already knows who you are. Uh, thanks to all the support your channel gives my show, and I appreciate that. But... For the few people listening that don't know who you are, uh, you are a stand-up comedian, you are a podcaster, an entrepreneur, uh, and you you are the host of With Apologies every Sunday that Lane is on. Uh, uh, it, it's the show that we promote every week here. You can catch it on YouTube live every single Sunday on the Ian Ellis LLC Network. So, Ian, you're all these things, and how did this all begin for you? I'm also an animator. Story. <laughs> I'm also an animator, so please check out my channel, Philip Wave. The latest show is called uh, Shop Failed. Spelled I seen Shab. that. <laughs> Shop Failed. I liked it, man. I liked it. I didn't know you make that shit. I thought that was Lane too. Like in my, like when I first found out about you, um, when you had you guys had put me in the Viva La Scam video, I was really curious to meet you. Uh, because you were the first, that channel was the first, uh, video I'd ever been, uh, seen by that many people for anything. So I was like really intrigued to meet you. And then I found out that it wasn't you. <laughs> you telling me they got more views than come town. Uh, that also was at the time where I had no idea that come town was as big as it was. So it was, it was, uh, well I did, but you know, when I'm talking about seen by that many people, I guess I'm talking about YouTube. You know, like, Comptown um, released the, the, my episode on YouTube a few times, and it got, like, taken down and cop like for copyright infringement. Like, Mullen uh -huh. had it taken down. <laughs> Mullen, Mullen um, my episode, Scumbag Vinny, was so anticipated when it came out, he released it on Patreon and then also released it as a, like, regular episode. That's what's up. And then I guess like, like people were stealing the episode and posting it themselves on YouTube, and it was fucking with his numbers bad because everybody was just finding it on YouTube. They just uh, hated you so much. Dude, this is they like, hated uh, me so fucking much. They wanted to hear every bit of it. 
and then uh, they, they I, I think they ended up loving me after that. This is a weird catch-22 that Town is in where their show is very clippable, and uh, it has a massive audience, but everything they do is bootlegged and put out. There's like there's like four or five channels that are like, Come Town Premium, every episode of Come Town. All I've bleeped out the stuff that keeps getting it pulled down. Come Town Censored, Come Town Uncensored. Right. And it's, you know, uh, it's, this, it's a turnkey industry, but at the same side, so- the same time while it's like taking money out of their pocket it's also making them massively bigger than they otherwise would have been there's a there's a guy out there a channel on youtube steven seagal i don't know if you've ever seen that channel and and he clips a lot of compound stuff and it's a very popular channel and he has clipped multiple videos of me that have reached over a quarter million views like he's clearly earning off of me and i've talked to him before about doing animation work for me because I think he's I think it's brilliant I think it's funny stuff that he does but he's found a way to monetize me from come to I'm I'm some of his most popular videos and his most popular videos about Joe Rogan with all the come town clips of them talking about Rogan and uh, a lot of that's me talking about him too so I'm in like this video another video where there's almost a half a million views about me talking about Joe Rogan and it's and it's just this kid playing video games while he's listening to come town I love uh, it when people either clip or or do like reactions to our show because, like we did, uh, we did a documentary on this guy Rollo Tomasi, right? We put it out. I think it had maybe a thousand views. Like it's really funny. We're all really proud of it, but it just wasn't doing numbers. This other dude whose name is like Black Ice Rock or Black Thought or some weird shit. He puts it up. He's got twenty four thousand views on it, and I don't know what the difference is between his channel and ours. Like. Like, what's the secret to his tag game? But <laughs> thank God he took it because, you know, he fucking won. He went and scored the, the touchdown pass with the, the fucking video. The Internet's weird, man. But aren't you grateful it got out to that many people at all? Yeah, man. Like, I just want it to be seen. Um, but I so might how did you get some... into all this shit? How did you get into all this shit? Let's not get off. I want to hear this business. How did you start in this in this? Comedy, we know. Yeah, (laughs) give you the very short. Um, well, (laughs) we'll step back a little bit. Uh, When I was like uh, twenty, my parents were like, uh, "Go to college or move out." (laughs) Those were my options. And the chick I was dating at the time was going to this university, and the the state university was right down the motherfucking street. And so I said, "I'm going to apply for that state university." Had no no desire to go to college no direction i'm I'm a very aimless person and uh my father he goes you go to school by the time you get out i'll have a little bit more money i'll i'll pay back your student loans like don't even worry about just go there and get good grades you go all right bet i go off to college (laughs) me and that chick break up immediately and then i meet what would become my first wife and uh while her wife yeah i'm on my second one right now Hopefully there'll be a third one in the bag. Don't tell it. What? Um, so this is the short version of how you started comedy. We're starting from your college days. <laughs> well, it's it actually oh my, plays in. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But he's, he's like, my, he's like, let me give you the short uh, version of it. So I was in middle born school in 1981. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think Go three ahead. steps back. Believe me, I would like to tell you about my father. That is an integral part to understanding. But we'll, we'll skip over that. Uh, my introduction to comedy was while I was married, uh, while I was off in college, I started writing for a local college comic strip. 
And uh, mm. I've always been a funny person, but I didn't know there was a, a way to be a comedian. I thought you just like were funny in real life and someone would tap you on the shoulder like, hey, man, you're pretty funny. You want to be on tonight's show? Like I had no fucking clue or ambition to be a comedian, right? So I'm doing these comic strips and then I get in touch with one of my friends in Chicago and him and his buddy are writing screenplays and they've started doing stand-up comedy. I go, yo, motherfucker, I love comedy. Can I write these things with you? And so we start writing sketches together, like Focus CDS, shout out to the Wiggas. And we're writing movie scripts and, and blah, blah, blah. We're, we're getting into the mindset of comedy. I find out that my first wife is finna cheat on me. <laughs> or is trying to cheat on me. She's contacting uh, an ex-boyfriend. What? Oh, my salacious, God. Salacious emails. Terrible stuff. Salacious emails. Yeah. Calling me Fuck, all kinds dude. of bitches and motherfuckers. Um, so me and her get into it. And basically that ends the marriage. Now... Uh, I'm at the end of my rope when this happens. So I go off to a bar and I'm trying to find some booze and they have an open mic there and, and the bartender tells me he'll give me a beer and a shot if I go up. So I go up and I go tell the story about me and my oh, wife. Oh, 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 hold on, I'm not interrupting you, but dude, this story is, I've heard this many times in the comedy business and you literally were on Davy Jones's pirate ship and he took your soul as you were becoming a comedian. Like you were so down on life that he ba comedy basically offered you a second chance at something. Right. I mean, I was like, basically like at the point of killing myself. And when I went up there, I got that validation from the audience and I felt like, Oh, I still have value. I, you know, maybe I don't have to off myself. Maybe, Maybe there's a redemption arc for me. Plus, I'm too pussy to so kill You're trying myself. to tell me that comedy <laughs> saved you from killing yourself. You know, I don't know how much that is the case and how much I was just too much of a pussy to kill myself. But the story I'm going with no, is... You had those thoughts and comedy was started at the same time that you were having thoughts like that. Right. Even if it wasn't something you were entertaining seriously, you were having suicidal thoughts at the same time starting stand-up. I gotta be honest, man. That's probably the most interesting part of the story that I've heard so far. So, you know, the reason I asked why you got into stand-up, of course I want to know your story. And I think if you're down to come back on the show, like, we have, we have plenty of time to get into all of our, you know, fun stories and things. But the reason I'm asking is I'm hearing that your show is coming to an end, that, you know, you're turning 40, you want to quit comedy. And right away, I was trying to hear your story to dissect why and... Just to hear that, my question to you is, do you feel like at any point you might owe it to comedy to keep going uh, since it did give you your, your a second chance at life in a sense? I don't know these motherfuckers a goddamn thing. You have any idea how much <laughs> comedy has cost me? My fucking soul, Vinny. I gave my soul to comedy. So oh, anyway. now, now, I was talking. Hold on. Um, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I come back to uh illinois i was living in baltimore at the time and all my friends are either married except for my buddies that are doing stand-up comedy so i start palling around with them trying to immediately find some pussy and they bring me into the world of stand-up comedy and as a person who has no no direction who felt valueless i was like i'm gonna do this she'll see i'm gonna be a 
fucking comedian. Yeah. And that became <laughs> my so entire life. Bad. Yeah, just how you said that made me cringe. But that's okay. <laughs> this is like the honest side of it. A lot yeah. of people do the yeah. same thing, but they'll sit there and they'll romanticize it and, uh-huh. and pretend like, well, I discovered my gift and I began to flourish and, and figure out who I am for the first time. I, I'm purely out of spite that I started doing this. God damn it. <laughs> um, so where did it go wrong? Like, let's fast forward to like the good part. Where the fuck did you feel it went wrong? Because I have failed more than a lot of people and picking myself back up almost got me to a bigger place the next time. So where did it go wrong and why do you feel like you can't do that? Uh, well, I feel like I'm a dinosaur from a bygone era and that's uh, <laughs> the kind of comedy I am. Like I, as I got into it, I started worshiping this tough crowd, ONA, Patrice O'Neill. Uh, Greg Giraldo, the real ass fucking dudes. You know what I'm saying? The real comics that kept it rizzity real. And I romanticized it and I, I breathed comedy like it was a religion. I was like, there are rules to this shit. You are, there are levels to this shit. Either you do this or you're a fucking punk. And if you're just out here and you don't have a point of view, then you're a trash comedian. And because I was like dedicated to this idea of edginess and realness and whatever, I just kept upping the ante and it's like, as it's like, you, you know, you can't get your dick up anymore. So you gotta, you gotta get freakier and freakier and freakier. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, have I become the bad guy? Like, did I lose myself and go way past, you know, what, what should be considered normal. And, uh, so I would like to stop and regroup <laughs> because I feel I may have gone so far past the line that it's time to maybe come back and reevaluate what we were doing out there. Um, okay. Well, the one thing that I would say is that in 14 years, I have done what you're talking about many times. That's not quitting. That's regrouping. Dude, I am so fucking... <laughs> you have any idea how hard it is for me to go out and do stand-up? Not only the time, but I am a fucking pariah. Uh, Vinny, on the first episode of this show, you said you know what it takes to make it. Can you articulate that for me? What does it take for all the people that still have dreams in their eyes? What's it take? As a stand-up comic, you really have to be... I mean, obviously, it's going to sound cliche to say you really have to be funny, but 90% of the people that call themselves comics aren't funny, so that's step one. And if you're not funny, you have to be willing to do it for the rest of your life and suck until you are funny, because it will happen. There will be a change. You... But are either lying or full of shit. <laughs> Do okay. you want to go ahead? You said okay. go ahead. So in the 14 years that I've done stand-up, about 75% of the shows that I've ever done are self-produced shows, meaning that I was never booked very much. I would produce my own gigs. And in that 14-year period, I have watched careers end and grow at the same time. I've worked with a lot of the same people over that period of time. And I've helped some people go to certain places, even if they didn't have all the talent. I've literally helped them manifest great, great things. And the biggest tragedies are the folks that didn't listen to me 
And through all of those experiences and all of the talent relation uh, experience that I've had, whether it is with open micers all the way up to like the Artie Langs of the world or whatever, and then add in all the experience I have as a performer myself and the experiences that I've been through, I feel like I have put together a blueprint on how to make it as a comic. It's not going to be something I can give you two or three sentences on, but I think it's a great question. And a short answer <laughs> would be that, you know, in order to make it, you have to have that never give up mentality is a big part of it. So that's why I'm so set on wondering what the fuck you're trying to accomplish by quitting or, but it, regrouping makes more sense to me because it could be a five year regroup. It could be, you never come back at that point. But at the same time, I've taken six months off many, many times. I'm actually in a regroup period right now. And really it, for me as an artist and somebody that I don't treat it like I'm an artist. Of course, I, I don't look at it like that. But as an artist, as somebody who creates, um, you know, as a art, creative. It, right. That, you know, sometimes you need to do that to kind of go back to the blueprint because I'm more of a strategic kind of person where, you know, there might be comedians out in New York doing seven sets a night, but I make two big moves in business and I've cut like five years ahead of their career just doing that, you know. And I was doing that, those kind of moves for a long time. And so I kind of knew every way not to be – I I learned every way not to make it, bro. You know, I met this guy, Talent uh, Harris. Talent Harris, he's a legendary comic in New York City. He's been on all kinds of TV shows and Def Jam and shit like that. And he told me, don't let the money fuck you up early on in the game. He gave me amazing opportunities. <laughs> uh, and he said, don't let the money fuck you up. And the money did fuck me up only you because – I wanted to make money for my family doing this, and, and there are no guarantees, right, in comedy. So You answer every question like you're pitching the movie of your life. Like You sound like you have tears in your eyes, and you're like, let me tell you something, kid. I fought for it. I bled for it. I <laughs> ran for it. I took it down the mother. I've seen the trials and tribulations, and I have the blueprint. I have it. It wasn't easy to get, but I motherfucking, I met a, a one-armed man. <laughs> I feel like Nicolas Cage in National Treasure, bro. I mean, I found the fucking Constitution. I fucking took you know, Q-tips and, and wet the back and found the map, right. and you know, I found the fucking treasure. Bro. Me, uh, I, I mean, Justin Silva is a good example of that. And, you you know, the kid that we were talking about a few episodes ago, he's a perfect example of that. He's somebody that's not very funny in stand-up at all. He doesn't have uh, any kind bastard. of stand-up. You're a bastard to and, your core. Say something nice about that boy right now. <laughs> he's, he's a funny kid. He just didn't know how to translate it to the stage because he was too busy trying to be Michael Jackson. Just fucking backhanded as you could be. <laughs> you won't but, let him up for a second. But like me dealing with my underlings, I'm like, no, I'm not taking my knee off your neck. <laughs> there is one, there is one thing, uh, there is one, one thing that will help you make it, and it is the secret. And I don't know if you're into the secret at all. I don't know if you're into the secret. You know what don't the secret is? Don't fucking do bits with me. Shut the fuck up with your joke. All right, I'm serious. <laughs> here's here's the more interesting conversation Lane. I want to have. Lane. <laughs> Don't Lane. don't 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 acknowledge him, Lane. Oh my <laughs> Just God. ignore him. I got All right, you're gonna ask me a question. Here. All right, go hit me with something. Well, this is uh, part of the wisdom and the beauty of you because you're not you're not a bad influence. You're a tremendously good influence, particularly for independent artists. So I would say, if you want to make it, what you got to do, it comes down to you got to be in the right place and you got to hang the fuck out you gotta hang you want to be in new york or la 
And if you can't, if that's just not in the budget, then you need to be at a comedy club because comedians don't work at bars. They work at comedy clubs. And that is the opportunity that will bring you into contact with working comics, road comics, TV producers. And when you hang the fuck out, you eventually get worked into the system. And that is a guaranteed way to have a career. At my age, with it a family. Is, it is, but you know what, though, man? The tough thing is, and this is like, I, was, I just got done managing a kid that took, is taking that route. And I, I have no problem talking about him because when I say I was his manager, it wasn't something that he like publicly went out there and said. But throughout his career as a comic, he came to me for all his advice. And he's a New York City comic, and he like is still grinding every day in the city. And he pigeonholed himself so many times, dude. You can pigeonhole yourself when other men's uh, when other men have their fate in your hands. And all I was trying to do with this whole Ian Ellis pitch thing is try to explain to you that you can go that route, no doubt, my brother, and make it. But there are things I've learned about this business to prepare you for the worst-case scenario, meaning that if you have your ducks in a line, you as an independent artist with 100 views on a podcast or 10,000 or 10 people in an audience or 500 will make like a living. Like, And you don't have to make a full-time living. You have a good job. But like you'll make extra money and you'll have more professionalism and more people will demand you because you're 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 delivering a product that is you. It's you. Well, that you is the other. Do you feel like you're getting scammed yet, Ian? This is what's good about Vinny is, <laughs> uh, you know, Chicago is is uh, one of the most hyper segregated fucking states. All right. <laughs> Black side, white side. And the comedy scene is also segregated. And what I learned going into the black side is black people make their motherfucking money. Open mic comics are making more money than headliners in <laughs> fucking guys. in L.A. Isn't that crazy? Because they know how to run their own show. Like even Nick Mullen said, like when he found out how much money was being exchanged and what percentage he was getting, he was furious. Yeah. He's like, never again. Will I work with someone that's going to handle my career for me? Oh, of course. Listen, man, I'm just trying to say, you. and the truth is, bro, the whole Vinnie Beetle scam thing came from me trying to get something for the knowledge I have, and I was trying to get it by having people fucking pay me to tell them what to do and tell them how to do it. And I realize now that if I put it out there in a more public platform you know for free that you know good things may come my way when people realize that i do know what i'm talking about and you hit it right on the head and you know black folks of course they run their own shows because they know white men are fucking sketchy and we're going to keep their money so they got to do their own shit right but at the same time i've worked for amazing black promoters that you know i'm performing for 300 people and i don't make any money because i'm white so they just give me get me on the show and they know that you know i want that crowd and that crowd does something big for me and I did shows like that for a long time. As a matter of fact, what a lot of people don't know about me is the first like five years into comedy, I funded, I worked full time and I funded all, all of my own trips and I would perform and open. I toured with people from MTV's Wild and Out and BET and shit like that. And I was in the urban comedy scene and I, I opened up for Paul Mooney and I opened up for Rip Michaels and I opened up for people that are really big in the comedy world that were um, not paying me but let me go on the shows and i'd fucking kill the shows you know but i realized that i was never gonna get paid you know why because 
I was too afraid to ask them for the money, and they knew I was earning it already. So there was already a bridge where they were like, they only have me there because I'll do it for nothing. Now and here, le- here, Vinny, is, is one of the interesting things. Why do white people uh, fuck themselves out of the money? And, and I think it's not knowing the difference between integrity and self-destruction. Dude, most comedians don't know business. Most comedians are artsy fartsy lonely kids with broken hearts and they feel like hustling to get ahead like like they feel like you're supposed to just be great and then someone hands it no, to you No they actually look at it, it like what you. I do yeah like what I do is wrong in a sense like they have to we all are supposed to sit in the dugout and wait for coach to come tell us to come in the game because it's to like, do bro, anything else is considered icky because it's like, oh, what are you trying to like make? Oh, you're you're trying to collect the money. I thought you was an artist. Not to keep the baseball analogies going, but I was always the kind of kid, and rather than wait in the dugout for the coach to put me in the game, I'd rather I'd rather take a baseball and go throw it up against the back of the dugout by myself. At least I was doing some. That's how I feel about it. Like at least I might have done shows for for thirty people. Um. On nights where maybe I could have been in New York, you know, earning my way as as just a pure stand-up, not trying to produce nothing. But I was making money. I was doing something myself. I was like, man, at least I'm doing some. At least I'm doing it. Because, you know, a lot of people are out there waiting for it. And I'm out there, I'm out there trying to go get it. You know, so that's a, that's, that's a huge thing, man. So you don't always have to go produce your own show. But nowadays, there are many, many different ways to bring in revenue streams as an entertainer. You know, and so if you have those kind of things lined up along with your job, every time you step on the on the microphone and do like a radio show or a comedy show or anything like that, you're going to feel like it's it's only giving me a chance to make money with that. Right. Like, damn, I can't wait to get on the radio, because if I throw out a banger this week, it might bring me to that next step of actually making money doing this. You know, well, I'll tell you something, Vinny. When I started a lot of this social media and technology didn't exist. iPhones didn't exist when I started doing comedy. So going on stage, this primitive What year did thing, you start? What year did you start? I think I have no idea. I'm sorry, I called you the end. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> Lane, I called that, but... by the way. <laughs> you, you didn't see it. He was hoping that you would do that. <laughs> there's your put, drop put right there, the bro. bro. Put in the yep, there's your drop, bro. Um, but comedy was a way to get instant feedback. Like I used to write, and as a writer, it's it's pulling nails to get anybody to read your shit because motherfuckers don't want to read. <laughs> like art's a little bit easier; people will look at a picture, but stand up is immediate, and it's strangers, and it's a reaction, and you can basically take them hostage. They don't <laughs> they don't get to have any say in the matter. You you sprung it on them. Now that we live in this digital age, particularly with Philip Wave, as I'm learning these new technologies, I'm finding there are other more interesting ways for me to express myself to where I don't really feel like I need to do stand-up anymore because I don't give a fuck. I, I would rather do these other things and while out. You know, it would actually be, it would, it would haunt me to grow a radio show with Lane and have you guys promote it for me and then have, you know, your channel just up and disappear and like then your show's gone and then so like if you're not doing stand up full time right now anyways and you're not getting booked all the time right now anyways you quitting stand up and having no gigs is like you quitting um a job that or like you're like quitting a lemonade stand but nobody ever came to get lemonade like yes. you know like you know so you're not really <laughs> quitting bro like you know like if you had a full That's schedule right. you're I'm like I can't handle this more. I'm no. washing out of the program of stand up no, comedy not. Because you met me now. 
and that there's that's a big change you met somebody that's going to hold you accountable even if it's to perform once every six months Ian, because- you don't understand Vinny is the new ian ellis and you're the new dante nero he's gonna yeah. save you put you back on track it's been a lot of reflecting i never took my own advice until it was too late i i had all the stuff i know now was from me failing on my own and losing hundreds of thousands of dollars doing it so all right we both agree i'm quitting stand up now would you like to hear why i'm quitting the show you're not quitting stand up or the show. <laughs> I love and how I have people keep more telling me what to, I'm doing. I have nine more weeks to have this conversation strategy. with you. <laughs> I have nine more weeks to prove him otherwise. I might make Ian an offer before he quits the show. There might be an offer made. There might be an offer. Uh, there, there might there be an offer. Be a on the money table. transfer offers mean nothing to me, but I see money in my bank account. Well, if you accept That'll the pay. offer, then that then that's what happens. What am I just going to send you money and then you quit anyway? Well, I'm not a dumbass. Vinny, I have had 19 managers. <laughs> Lane's the only one that's ever put money in my pocket. Let me, people, let me say they something. They take me out to dinner. They wine me and dine me. It means fuck all. You've had 19 managers. People see me out killing it. Let me just explain something. They're like, hey, man, hey, man, let me take I you actually usually stay pretty like, humble with this. And, you know, I chose Lane for a reason. So I know the kid is smart as fuck. He's probably smarter than I am. All right. So that's number one. Number two, I am a legendary manager. I'm not just some manager. I don't know, man. Everybody you manage is in rehab. Like I don't. I'm too old to be on hard drugs. You understand what I'm saying? Like I feel like you're gonna be like, all right, Ian, I figured it out. You just gotta do crack. You just gotta just crate them. Twenty billion views. It will spike your production, though. Ian. You can't all right, lie. listen. I'm not gonna lie. If it's more of a reality personality you're going for over stand-up comedy, there might be some narcotics. No, I'm kidding. Um, I met I met Artie and Bam when they were fucked up. And the fact that you just co-signed me and said that they're in rehab or coming out of rehab and staying clean is a wonderful thing. That goes to show that Scumbag Vinny, you know, had a positive impact on their life. You just take credit for anything, don't you? Just, well, I, <laughs> there's a fucking mint the on one, the pillow. You're like, I well, got that for you, Bam. Let's that, just put that let's just talk about fact. Pillow. Let's talk about fact for a second. Number one, I brought Artie Lang to court, and he's been clean since the day I brought him to court. It's been almost three years, I think. So that's that's solved. That case is solved. If it wasn't for me, he'd still be in jail for staying. You know, not showing up to court and just staying in a New York City hotel room, blowing you know dope with a lookalike all day long. So, uh, that's number one. Number two. I have been literally communicating with Bam for a year straight as he's been in and out of these rehabs. And I have fought and convinced this kid to stay and go back when he's broken out. So I think you're lying. I don't I don't think you know Bam. <laughs> Shut up. See how quiet he got? You never even met him, did you? You've been photoshopping try- these pictures this whole time. <laughs> you know how easy it is to get a look alike of a bloated like a bloated Bam? They're everywhere. So, so another, yeah, why are you quitting? Yeah, another, why are you quitting the show? Issue I'll bring to the therapy table since I've been banned from my other therapist. <laughs> um, when it started, there was this idea of like I was trying to make it as a comic, and then uh, you know I was trying to make it with the show, trying to make it, which is very different from just hanging out with your friends. It's I'm doing a show; it has to be good. I want these particular 
happen. And when, you know, you're dealing with retards that are stumbling over the things <laughs> you're trying to make happen, it, it's very Several aggravating. <laughs> and, <laughs> and all kinds of personal miscommunications. Money and pussy. Fucking ruin everything. That's true. Anyway, Look, I'm not. So, I'm not saying I've had horses that die in the race, man. I'm not saying that you're gonna be victorious. I might become your manager and you quit in three months again. You know, like I don't know. I'm just going. I'm shooting from the hip here. Silver tongue devil like you. I, I'm sure you'll. I'm sure you'll win me over. Uh, it's not gonna be weeks. Much, I got nine weeks uh, until the show's over, and I could pop I, in at your show for fucking five hours. So uh, you'll literally have forty more hours of me trying to convince you not to quit. I, I want to be courted. Uh, I'm here. I'm winking at you. Come get me. Come get this big puss. <laughs> you like this juicy pussy? Come get it. Come on. Actually, on. this is probably Lane's least favorite version of you is like comedy. And he's like, no, I was happy with him quitting, actually. <laughs> I, I, I'm, honest, I'm honestly used to confident Ian. It's pretty much 110% of the time, yeah, even, even when he doesn't deserve it. Louis J. Gomez was like, where do you get this utter? earn confidence from. I go, it's not unearned, Lois. I get 11 mixtapes. Suck my dick. <laughs> I'm fucking great. I you have mixtapes like you did, like music mixtapes? No, comedy mixtapes. Oh, really? I did new material every week for like 11 years. <laughs> for 57 years I did new material and I'm as good as fucking anybody. Your polished shit is dog shit. You guys are let me, fucking like, lazy. Let me fucking ask lazy. you something though. Like where no, was No nigga, the... I'm telling a story. Stop interrupting my story. <laughs> two. Fucking question. <laughs> There's number so, two. Well you welcome I, to scamming with Vinny, not the, the fucking Philip Wave radio uh with apologies fucking Oh all right. shit. Yeah, I have ahead. a serious Remind question us that for you. you know, bam. No yeah go ahead. Slip bam in there. Put Actually, bam in my drink. Wow. <laughs> if I put Bam in your drink, you'd be fucking knocked out for four days. That guy's—he's a little. Tell he's you still me and Bam are gonna fucking sneak off to Mexico and leave you fucking nerds at the skate park. This is don't ever let me meet Bam. We will be fucking gone and spending his money I know. together. Imagine I could have had Ian quitting and then he takes Bam for me. <laughs> and goes to Mexico and I'm just like fuck, man. We're tailgating the end of the world, fucking senoritas and tequila for days. Unbelievable. So my friend CEO, uh, he's the, he's like the real reason that I did with apologies. It was his show, but I really, I love him. Like he's he's as funny, I would say, as Patrice O'Neill. He's the only human I ever met where I was like, that's like what I get from Patrice. I get that from him, and he's just off the cuff. And I fucking love being around him. He quit the show. <laughs> it was a huge what? like loss for me. Like it, it broke my heart. Why did he quit? For it. He uh, he was going to school and and he was talking to a girl and he was just like he was scared that if he kept doing the show he was gonna fuck up his real life and so he was like I have to choose real life right now like it's important for me to choose real life so that's what he did he didn't have to be a bastard and ghost me in Lane afterward he could have <laughs> continued to be our he, fucking he, friend he could but... answer his fucking phone every once in a while he broke up with you guys like you were a bitch or something he, no he ghosted us he didn't break up with it yeah he broke up with Ian he ghosted me. Yeah. I, anyway, that left me very, very disoriented because he had gotten me to the place where it's like, all right, well, even if I don't make it, I'm still doing this with my friend. Like, I like, you know, me and my friend are doing this. And then he's gone. I'm like, why am I doing this anymore? So I, I've been rather directionless since he left. And there have been moments where things have kicked up, like with Lupe Fiasco or with uh, now with Brendan Schwab, 
where I'm like, this is exciting. I kind of like doing this. Like, <laughs> it's amazing that we can be disruptive to the system. Uh, you know, that that's the part of this that really like gets my rocks off. But I, I also feel the same in, way. I feel the same way. I also get into this mindset. Like, I did a stand up joke where I'm like, SJWs ruin bullying because I I can't tell which side of the fence I'm on anymore. Where I'm <laughs> like, like I feel like I'm being a faggot, but at the same time, I I feel like I'm doing dude. But look what at I, guys what like, I want to do. Look at Cometown, dude. Look at Artie. Who gives a fuck? You don't have to. I know what you're saying because you know, especially comics. Like, if you had a lot of people like in the comedy world, you were talking to to get get like you get gigs let me ask you that question how did you get gigs even if they weren't paying gigs other you know, comedians so originally this is a big piece of advice to everybody uh when i was like two weeks into comedy i discovered mark Marin and i i started my own podcast chicago open mic which was like an open mic version of mark Marin's show and my plan was i'll do this for a while it gives me a chance to talk to comics and like learn the craft and shit and then i'll pass it on to someone else and they'll pass it on and it'll become an institution and people that had their first interview on there as a nobody, when they're famous, they'll come back. And that'll be like a bridge, the gaps, like the open mic in the industry. It makes Chicago, you know, the third coast rather than just that place where you get good. Uh, but nobody wanted to take the show over for me. And I got real tired of being in this position where people would suck my dick and pretend to be my best friend to get on the show. And then the moment the episode was done, they ghosted me. And they, <laughs> they just didn't give a fuck about me anymore. I was like, oh. I'm just being used. Like, I'm just a platform, and you guys are just, like, treating me like a hoe. So I destroyed that podcast, uh, and then I created a new one, the enls.podbean.com, where I do new material every week. I can't remember uh, why, to, why I told this The question, story. and that's great. That's a great little story. The question is, how, <laughs> like how, how, as a stand, how as a stand-up comic did you get your gigs? You know, how would you oh, get so, your stand-up yeah, gigs? Yeah, I was saying that's advice. Is, you know, when I was doing Chicago Open Mic, a lot of my gigs came from people trying to, uh, you know, court me and get on the podcast. There you go. So there they're like, go. oh, there damn, there's there a little go. bit of clout to that. There you, go. there you go. You so my are... two big my two biggest suggestions to new people are run a podcast and run a room. Also, <laughs> I created Open Mic Comedy in the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, I basically created the comedy scene that, that currently exists. And all of that came from my room. Uh, see you next Tuesday at Mojo's. And when I was running that, I was the king of comedy because everybody wanted to come out. Let me tell you something. You, you, you know what you're talking about. You've lived the experiences. But let me just explain to you that what you said when you t told me that you got your gigs from people trying to court you to get on the podcast and then give you gigs and stuff. All that is great, and it's going to give you that experience. Okay. But there is no plan B. There's no plan B when it all comes crashing down, Ian. And that Man, I got a wife and kids. Plan B is be happy. Right. Plan B no. is take my kid to the park. Trees? Okay. Have you seen so, trees? I've been shitting on trees for thirty years. So They're you're, you're talking to somebody that's also a dad and has a family. So we don't. We're not. You talking must about be a that. shitty father if you. I wouldn't say the experiences that. that I'm having. Come on, Vinny. Which side okay. of the fence are you on? I would, are you team dad or team? I wouldn't say that because team. I've been able to create financial freedom for myself through the comedy business to be able to spend more time with my kid. So. I'm, I, I wouldn't say that, and I'm not knocking what you're saying. What I'm saying to you is there are literal 
What I'm trying to say is there are literal professional steps that you can take to ensure financial security for yourself in the comedy business. You know, here we go. Step one, like you said, running a room, doing that once in a while, provide yourself with income, more stage time, more opportunities to barter with other comedians, just like you do with your podcast to get more gigs. Number two, merchandise, you know, printing your own shirts and selling <laughs> them after the show. You know, you laugh at it, but at the same time, that is one of no, the I, I, that, most- that was not a, a laugh of acknowledgement. That was uh, the entire comedy scene, which I created, has turned on me <laughs> several times. I've been canceled like five times. By comedians. And so by comedians. the day I and do a motherfucking a comedian. thing for an open mic comic is the day that I die. You're not talking. I ain't We're running a room for you about- motherfuckers. I ain't doing oh my God. shit. For an he, open mic running community. a room, Lane. <laughs> listen to him. He thinks running a room is running a room for other comics. I'm talking about running a room for people to come for sit profit. down and laugh, bro. What are you talking about right now? Oh, you are so Mother Teresa over here cares about oh, making my people God. laugh. You think I give a fuck about making people happy? Well, that ain't what being a comedian. Uh, you're not here to make people laugh. This is where Ian's delusions comes from. <laughs> now he he's he's about to go on a philosophical rant for thirty four minutes. That's not going to happen. <laughs> We're going to move gears. You, I, you know, ship gears. gears. The 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 ship is sinking. Water is coming in, and it's a beautiful ship. And you've built it, but there is like your buddies around another ship going, dude. Just come on our fucking ship right now, and we are going to sail away and show you. Sail away. <laughs> well, listen, Vinny. Uh, what I have ahead of me is uh, I've gained forty-four subscribers to Philip Wave this week. I'm almost at a thousand, where I can monetize that bitch, so I can make four thousand episodes of Shab Fail and start getting a paycheck from that. And I also am interested in buying a computer and playing video games on the internet. <laughs> Those are all excellent. Like, like it's a like it's a thing to do. I'm gonna get a. Play video games. I've been thinking about upgrading my life. I just don't understand how like playing video games or having a family mixes with like your career choice or like what you're chasing with comedy at all. Because like you you have 24 hours in a day and comedy is only done at night for 15 minutes. Like you know what I'm saying though. Like I know you have to travel there and all that kind of stuff. Being sarcastic, but like you know, I want to do things well. I I also want to like stop and take my time on things because a lot of my stuff is rushed because i have the deadline of i want it done before the show and doing shit for the show has become a very aggravating thing because i put in all this work to gather resources make things i have this big idea of what i want to do and my audience doesn't seem to give a fuck like they would be fine if me and lane sat there and talked about cats for three hours they're not there for what i'm doing they're just just there to hang out with each other so i'm like well then why am i rushing like how about i just stop all of this i'm just gonna make the shit i want to make in the time frame you, that you allows have a really good audience well. like you do have a really good audience even with philip wave wave and this channel so it's like you want to i don't want to i don't we have me. a great audience but you don't want right, to lose them. genuinely don't give a fuck what we're talking about but they <laughs> also want to hear you it's more fun to them when we talk about kenny's Belly button lit, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The hot topic. But the show is going on, is what I'm saying. When the show stops, well, those people right, are going to be like, "What the fuck?" Vinny, let me take you to July of last year. I got all up in the middle of Lupe and Royce, two of my favorite rappers, Eminem's best friend and 19 Grammy award winning Lupe Fiasco. 
And I got them into a beef with each other where they were referencing me in raps to each other. And my co-hosts are literally telling me, we don't give a fuck, Ian. We want to talk about Ben Ashworth, a retarded 50-year-old. That breaks my heart where I'm like, well, well then I you, don't uh, need to fucking do me this. Me and Lane talked about <laughs> this a lot. I don't need to be with you people. Literally, me and Lane talked about this a long time ago, and that's partly why Scamming with Vinny is even a podcast, because I literally was like, 90% of the people on your show don't need to be on your show unless you're bringing them on as a guest or in a segment. You know, like, you just let people come in and fucking talk, and, you know, of course you're going to hate it. <laughs> but most of the time, I like it. I know that, Lane, but I'm saying Ian is an artist. So he's doing this work with Ooh. Lupe and Royce, and he's getting a head somewhere. It's exciting. Yeah, Lane. Ian, where you fucked up with the Lupe and Royce thing is you just you just did too much too early. By the time you yeah. got every the result, time I logged I on, he was it was all about Royce and Lupe. It, it really was like, was like a month and a half of the same. It, and listen, it built to a crescendo. And yeah, you crescendo. were you were like a kid that got on Space Mountain at Disney. Shout out to Disney, by the way. And you freaking you loved it so much, you just kept getting back in line for a month. <laughs> and by the it's, end, it's a very like, hard sell because my audience, like a lot of the internet, is ninety percent like uh, Canadian uh, white nationalist. I, I don't know where they come That's from. True. I think it's well, a psyop. It's part <laughs> of the. It's a part of our uh, punishment for helping start the Proud Boys, Ian. That's the reason why we have to deal with that now. Ooh, so, well, everywhere I, also I look, will... everywhere I go, it's fucking Canadians doing all the goddamn work on YouTube these days. They well, got all wanna... the hot takes. Ryan Long, Tom say... McDonald. I did want to say that I'm not going to continue to badger you about like this stuff. I just do it, and I was saying it uh, before the show. Because of like the amount of respect I have for you, and I think that you're funny, so you know, I just would uh... sound like a kid who's like looking down, kicking the dirt. I am. <laughs> you should I look up to me. I'm better than you. I I do feel that. How, way. how does that feel? Come on, salesman, your way out of that. Come on, alpha me without alpha in me. Come on, do you do your Buddha sales trick? I gotta be honest, man. On stage, I'm very very funny. I'm very. I'm, I make people fucking laugh. So it'd that be was hard. A... A lesson I had to learn was like, you have to be funny. And like, I don't doubt that when you go up there, you fucking kill it. Like, you do the job. <laughs> Level one is do the job, be funny. And so, yeah. you know, big up to you for doing the job. But I think you're funny as well. And we're fucking over here blowing each other about it. But like, don't quit, man. I feel like I'm trying to talk you off of like a bridge. And you know, I got comedy did do. that for you. I know you, you're, you know what? And you're probably at a point too where, like, yes, I agree with what you're saying. You wanted to kill yourself, you get into comedy. Now you have a beautiful wife, you got a kid, you got other hobbies you're doing and stuff. So you're happy, you can do other things creatively, you're happy, you know, and that's all great. But from what I understand, you actually had opportunities to, like, actually make it, you know, like you were there a couple times. And I've doing shot it myself. Wrong and still got there. You were doing myself. Doing in the foot several times okay <laughs> i have as well i have many I, i'm times. patrice o'neill when he goes in for like a table read i'm just like Ugh, this is this is what you brought me <laughs> this is comedy fuck you too good for this i think regrouping is a good thing for you if you're willing to still like listen and learn from your peers that want to see you do well with it and that's me and well, maybe i'm just like, happy that ian before, when I talked to Ian a couple months ago, he was going to, like, leave society and go for a 
walk through the woods for I know, an undefined I amount of time. <laughs> so the fact that he wants to like start a Twitch channel now and and keep making cartoons, I mean, I really don't care if he quits. Yeah, and that's not I'm really quitting anything videos. to me at all. You're still doing entertainment of some kind. I mean, from my understanding, exactly what I'm asking you is like the last few months we were, you know, you're quitting. Are you just clickbaiting people, Ian? There's a big part of this Ian's not talking about, which is uh, our friend CEO, the old host of With Apologies. We we all three came to the conclusion that stand-up's gay past the age of 40 <laughs> if you haven't made it. And Ian won't let that go, and he refuses to do stand-up past oh the age of 40. Oh, my God. <laughs> I will have, Dude, I, I I go have to, to do stand-up past 40. This is Dude, it I go me. to an I go to an open mic, and it's it is <laughs> the politest way I can put this is it's the alphabet. It's <laughs> it's straight white men are bad, and and I'm gay, and fuck you, and uh, it's it's a lot of you hot had, takes. You have you had you haven't had twenty many, year olds. You haven't had many like awesome experiences on stage for hundreds of people and stuff like that. Like, have you had many experiences like that? Well, those are fantastic. Uh, it, it almost feels like play for a real audience. Yeah, like like I'm like a Super Saiyan that trained under like four thousand times gravity. <laughs> I'm so used to fighting the worst possible odds uh, to do well that having an audience, I'm like, oh, what what is this? Oh God, this is actually great. Yeah, so like when you have those moments, you don't go back to the open mic and just fucking soak Vinny, it all Vinny, in. Vinny, do you do you have any idea how cancel cancelable I am? <laughs> do you uh, do you know what you're up against? The best he's thing that could ever happen. He's to talking me to is scumbag it? Vinny. It's like I really don't understand. I'm I'm totally the guy that he could be t- opening up to and talking to about this. We are so relatable in many ways. As a matter of fact. Everything you're talking about, like you, like you know how cancelable you are. Like, dude, look at me. People have tried to cancel me many, many times. It is uncancelable, and I think you can get to that point as well. Why do you think you could be canceled as well? Why? Why is that a thing with you? Why do you have such a paranoia? You're like a prepper, a doomsday prepper to get canceled in comedy. Who gives a fuck? What do you mean canceled? There's going to be 200 people that listen to this. There's a good point, Ian. How can you get canceled when you have nothing to cancel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just do? quitting, just Lane. He's quitting a schedule that's empty. He's getting canceled by nobody. It's a <laughs> Dude, you must be like Andy Kaufman or some shit, bro. This must be a total... This you is like... I'm getting no idea. Right <laughs> I'm getting played right now, bro. You you know, this... You're going to just... You're going to just do your thing and... No, uh, from afar, I'm gonna compete. Keep putting like subliminals in your head and offer you little. You're not gonna compete. I'm gonna blow you out of the water. That first Zelda stream, it, it's gonna yeah. murk your whole fucking. <laughs> I didn't say compete. When Twitch <laughs> finds out about your old podcasts, you're getting canceled for sure. There's no way you're not you're gonna. Get oh, I would love to see that. you do some wholesome shit and get canceled later on. Yeah, that'd be great if you try going wholesome with Zelda fucking streams and shit, and then <laughs> later on they fucking find out. That'd be great because then I'd say, dude, you wasted no. your time. Come back to the dark side. Go ahead, Ian. Try saying the N word on Twitch. See see how fast they kick your ass off of there. I'm gonna be behind a black avatar. <laughs> my <laughs> my profile is gonna say donate to BLM. Can you use the Saiyans Entertainment Puppet and just pretend that's you for the whole stream? <laughs> uh, that's actually a funny idea. Um, as my friend Cosmic said, like I, I, I am a well of creativity, and that doesn't go away when the show. I'm sure that I will come up with something. When do you uh, turn 40? Path, 
May 24th. We're going to go through May, and then we're ending with apologies. And uh, What if I come to Chicago and we do a show that makes you change your mind about quitting before you're 40? See, what's going to happen is you're going to be like, all right, Ian, we're going to do this show. And then it's going to be up to me to book the venue and then no, advertise no, 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 it. No, no. And then no, you're going to be no, mad no, no, when no. literally three people show up and I'm going to have to do all <laughs> this fucking work. And then you're no. be like, you know what? I'm glad you I think we can get half a room in Chicago one time. We, we, have, we have enough built up credit. You know what? People we don't I like actually, come out to see. Ian, to come save see. you, we can live stream it too and collect money live streaming it. Like I, we, this I is going to be the save Ian. I will travel from Disney World to Chicago, okay? And, and so I, here, here, here's and the. You don't news. have to book the venue. You don't got to. Do, I mean, if you really don't want to do anything, if, you don't have to. But you should do something. Like you should help make it a success. But I will handle he, it most. Here's of your work. here's your hail mary pass. If you can get Pam. Luis J. Gomez has agreed to do Viva La Skanks with the Luis J. Gomez BAM crossover with uh, Ian and Vinny Beetle. And that would be at the Laugh Factory. That, that's a smash hit. Otherwise, yeah, that, I'd yeah, say that's don't possible. waste your money coming out here. That's possible, I have family not... in Florida, okay. and I will be out there at some point. And it would probably be better for me to just do one of your shitty shows. That no, I got I got friends in Chicago that want to do a show for me, and they want me to come anyway. So you should just say yes and jump on something I'm already working on. That's number one. Number two, I'm just telling to... you, I'm doing absolutely zero work. I will not be promoting <laughs> this. <laughs> I will. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll, I'll be promoting it. Don't, Lane, he doesn't know how to promote it. Lane, exactly. Lane, you would literally do it for him. <laughs> yeah. Do you understand, Ian, thing. that we have a YouTube channel with four thousand people that? think that you're the guy posting videos you know like we don't need he your permission gets that a lot show. actually yeah yeah i try and think about and it. bam will definitely do something like that and that's a possibility but realistically and this is no bullshit it will not happen no time soon this guy's not getting out of rehab for a little while and um when he does he wants to do shows with me but he is filming a movie when he comes out and i will be in that movie is it Sling Blade? What the fuck is he shooting? He is uh, there's so there's two projects he's working on. Um, one of them is going to be an independent film that he puts out. That's the one that I'm going to be in. Uh, and I'm not. I I can't really say too too much, but I know that uh, he was telling me something about Netflix wanting to do a uh, best of CKY series with him, and you know he'll be filming that as well. So he's he's do he's got some like big things lined up if he uh focuses on his health first which he was he, he's he was basically using his phone a little too much and not paying attention to class and when he was already supposed to be out but they ended up extending it because he was just fucking around you know and they took his phone i haven't talked uh, to him in a while but he uh he'll, he, he'll do live shows bro he's so down to do live shows i mean that's what he wants to do it's just that you know doing live shows straight out of rehab isn't really the smartest thing for you know, like straight out of re, well, especially with me because I'm just gonna give him drugs. But forget uh, just, about just skank fest, man. I'm just I trying to tell you, this is the thing too, man. Like I get it, I get the skank fest thing. I would be great, you know. I'm talking about me coming to Chicago with the equipment, a venue set up, you know, an intimate venue with 40, 50 people that my people worry about getting there, and and you know, Lane wants to help. That's fantastic. And we put on like a little stand-up show that even if you suck, I promise you, you will have a good time laughing at me and earning a little bit of coin. All right, and say, Ian, are you going to let him say you suck? You have to do it now. Like, what the fuck, man? 
I'm setting this up for you. Vinny Beatles like, saying he's going to blow you out of the water at this comedy show. I got to come <laughs> to Chicago and shut shit down. Like, that would be fantastic. Put your money where your mouth is. Put your funny where your mouth is, bitch. I'm a gunslinger. I'll kill your whole family. I got to come to Chicago. Pew, pew. I got to come to Chicago and pick up <laughs> yeah, like 100,000. Listen, I got to come to Chicago and pick up like 100,000 McDonald's toys anyway. I'm not that's not even um, a cap. You you reminded me that two of my best friends growing up out here were uh their names are Mark and Aaron. And uh <laughs> they were delinquents. And Aaron loves CKY. And so a lot a big part of my childhood was watching fucking VHSs of him tackling people's like lawn ornaments in the winter and throwing bricks through windows and fucking crashing in a in a fucking shopping cart and almost breaking his neck. Mm-hmm. Uh where his brother Mark on the other hand, he was the Vinnie Beetle of the of the pair. I and bet. uh I, I wanna leave you guys tonight with a scam. This is a scam that your children can run. Uh, what Mark realized as a kid was that when the school would have him go out and uh, sell, you know, sell shit, it was with raffle tickets and and uh, and paperwork. So he went to the dollar store and he bought a stream of raffle tickets and he went around and he went door to door and sold tickets to a lottery that didn't exist and just <laughs> pocketed that motherfucking money. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick, man. Wow. I'm actually honored Ian dropped a scam on us. That reminds me of when uh, my sister needed a prom dress and my mom didn't have the money for it. So I put on my old baseball uniform and we went to uh, Costco and got a bunch of candy bars. And I went around all the apartments near my house and sold like $300 worth of candy bars. And it wasn't even baseball season. You know, (laughs) I told them it was for my team. And I just gave it to my sister and kept some cash. But uh, that was, dude, I was a kid. I've been running scams that long and i'm honored that you dropped a little scam story for us man that's legendary right there ian do you feel like you've ever scammed anybody out of comedy before you leave you know my biggest scam was it we're actually coming up on the anniversary joe degan was uh joe degan is coming for your neck he's he's going (laughs) to fucking kill you fear joe degan all right shout out to the homie joe degan has that good weed does Um, he really wow he's the plug also, shout out to the Happy Corner Podcast with Kimberly Marion and Amy Blaze. Uh, everybody go check that out. Um, plug my friend. Shout out to Not Cosmic Cam every Thursday night on the Not Cosmic Cam channel. Is he just plugging like a fucking TJF <laughs> lineup on my fucking podcast right now? 20 minutes. What the fuck are you talking about? He's like, go check out all my friends' podcasts podcast you're that's, quitting in nine weeks who gives a fuck if that's his scam yeah that was the scam I he see, was gonna I trick see. you into telling a story and he just plugs for an hour <laughs> what what were you i can't remember what you were they go collect what? the dollar from everybody we were, we were asking you about your um if you ever scammed somebody in comedy oh yeah i was t- i was telling you uh when i went to record my first album so i i was an independent guy and i realized you could self-produce albums uh, so I went through a promoter friend of mine, somebody I put you in touch with. And you said, Ian, the first thing I did was try to scam him out of $500. And I said, you know what? If you get him, he deserves some it. Scumbag shit at that I, time. I, I gave him good advice, bro. You can ask him. I gave him real advice. And I, I didn't charge scumbag him. scumbag Vinny in touch I just with scumbag Leroy. And I, I, I said, you two around. fight it out. You're either going to make magic or you're going to kill each other. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Shout out to Leroy Hits. Um, <laughs> so when I went to record my first album... Uh, I had my buddy Leroy set it up and he sets it up at this bar. I don't pay attention to 
the outside world, holidays. I have no idea what the fuck is going on. So he picks a date, blah, blah, blah. We put down the deposit, this, that, and the other. Turns out it was St. Patrick's Day. And I didn't fucking know that. And I am at a bar show. And so I show up and everybody is like, fucking, they're tanked. They're ordering like three course meals. Uh, and I bombed my fucking dick off for like 20 minutes. And then I walked off stage and I was like, give them all refunds. I'm out of here. What? And I left it to my friends to, uh, to, to sort it finish out. out. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you guys do what you want to do. What? This, this ain't working out for me. <laughs> he ran. Well, wow. at least there was 11 more mixtapes after that to make up for it. That is not a scam, by the way, but that is a crazy story. <laughs> That's true. I don't know if that really counted as a scam, Ian, but it's that crazy. is what he started. You, you got scammed what, by St. Patrick's Day? What started the ENLs podcast was I went and I started cutting together my open mics, and that is my first album that went out with just a bunch of open mic sets cut together. Uh, and so that's an album, but then that became my mixtape style. All right. And, so I think. Uh, I actually think that this is a good time to end the show. We are going to end the show with a scumbag Vinny scam. I feel like one little story might be a cool clip or at least just to give to people. You know, they're going to listen and say, well, there's, this show's not about fucking scams at all. What, do, what does this guy really do? So uh, I was working in Atlantic City for a few years doing stand-up shows. And when they first started a company down there, it was a, a comedy club. So there's three comedy clubs on the boardwalk run by comedians selling tickets. And the guy didn't have money to buy tickets, so he bought raffle tickets. So... um you basically would sell the raffle ticket, keep half, the person would get half. I mean, this really sounds like my story, but you're retelling it <laughs> as if it's your story. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to leave you to your lie. Peace out, yep. All right. You know what? Fuck you, dude. That's a good way to end it. Fuck it. I'll tell the story next week. <laughs> something about <laughs> raffle tickets we'll get back to it we'll get back to it late fucking get ian out of here he's not coming back <laughs> ian thanks for coming uh, on yeah i think that was i think that was a good first appearance for old ian ellis yo that, that kid man like like we were saying on the ian ellis llc for nine more sundays you can listen to me and ian ellis on with apologies and then uh after that We'll we'll drag him back in here from time to time. I hope so, man. I'm really upset about this, but I gave it my best effort. You know, the truth is, Lane, and I really don't want to be harsh, but you know, he's too he was too focused on the show and not the business part of show business, you know, and <laughs> he he that was his downfall. And every question I asked him, he avoided completely. It's because he knows deep down that those 19 managers weren't qualified. The only reason that you, you, you know, like you had genuine like um, feelings when you came into it. You're like, I really want to help. Him. And that's why you did put money in his pocket. Uh, but everybody else was just busters. But Ian, thank you for coming on the show. The story that I had, the scam story was fucking awesome, but it did sound very similar. <laughs> that. so, just so we don't so step dude. on Ian's story. Let's go ahead. Next week. We'll, we'll tell a goes, different raffle ticket story. <laughs> He goes, I'll leave you with your lies. <laughs> like in his mind, he'll always be the first to do everything. You know, he's like one of those guys. You know what I mean? Like he's like, oh, now Vinny's biting off of my bit.
Well, listen, a lot of scams. What can I say? A lot of scams. I've done, you know, 40 scams. I have to do a raffle tickets. I can't fucking, you know, not talk about raffle ticket scams because Ian said it, you know, like I've been doing this for years, bro. Oh, man. All right. Well, hey, listen, how long we've been going for? We're ready to rock out on this one. We're at about an hour and 20 minutes. All right. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, thank you guys for supporting the show very, very much. Go check out our last ep- a couple episodes we dropped this week. Uh, it's been a busy week for us, and we appreciate the support. Uh, go check us out interviewing Slobby Robbie from Slobby's World on Netflix. Check us out on episode 4.5. We just dropped um, a couple days ago. That's a little bonus clip of us interviewing uh, TK, Terry Kennedy, a.k.a. Compton as Terry's manager, about his whole debacle with uh, beating a, a man to death. And... Check me out on Instagram at Vinny Beetle, on TikTok at Scumbag Vinny. You can go check out a video. I was kicked out of a thrift store this week. That was eventful. That's right. I didn't even get uh, to ask you about that. We'll have to bring that up with the raffle tickets. There's, there's yeah, a whole bunch sure. of scams we can get to. Yeah, this was about Ian Ellis this week. He deserved that time, and uh, I really like the kid, and I hope that he doesn't. Or that, like he explained, it's more of a rebound. Like, uh, like he's gonna take some time and and refocus himself on things. So, maybe that's not the last we have heard of him. The, the kid's gonna be all right. Yeah, that's good. All right, Mister Lane. Until next time, I appreciate you, my brother, and right. we will uh, see you guys again. Peace. See you guys next Friday. <laughs>